Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adeomi again. We are going through the Acts of the Apostles. We are in chapter 5. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira at the beginning where they, they violated the, the, one, the unity of the faith of the brethren. Chapter 5 verse 1. But a certain man Named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a procession. Now in chapter 4, they were, the last second of chapter 4 of verse 32 mentioned the fact that all the brethren were gathering together all their assets. They were selling, many of them were selling their assets and bringing the money and laying at the apostles' feet and distributing being made to everybody. So it was a revival that broke up and the zeal that came upon them that they are no more of this world. They wanted to. They are no more interested in acquiring, accumulating things for themselves in this world. That's why they are selling their properties, making the money, being distributed for the believers. To so support the apostles and support everybody else. Now, during that same thing, because the Lord allowed it, anyone that is going to participate should be honest. This dishonesty is what you are going to see being judged over here. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man among these among disciples named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. They didn't say whether it's land or house, it's a possession. And kept back part of the price. His wife also being private to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, what these people did, the, the, the danger part is that they lied about it. Because People, they, nobody compare anybody to, to give money. It has to come from your heart. It's just like right now, if you want to give donation, nobody compare you to give donation. You may say, well, some churches were, were becoming almost like a, a extortioners when they try to make people say, if you donate, you may, may donate 1,000, the Lord is going to multiply by 10, trying to pop up people to, to try God, to tempt God, to test God, to prove God, and so on, so on. That can become extortion. Well, we know that those are, those are, well, what you call, whatever you call, those are false teaching that can make people, when they didn't get the 10 piece, 10 under four that they, they were led to do, they begin to doubt the faith, they begin to doubt these prosperity teachers, prosperity preachers. That is going on in our generation. But you see, nobody forced you don't be intimidated. Many of those things are intimidation or making people feel guilty. A guilty trip, what they put upon them. But you are free. You, are, you see, where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. You have to remember that if you have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ, there is liberty. God does not twist your hand to do something. If you don't do it and you, you are convicted by God to do something, to give something and you don't do it, God is not going to send thunder and light to kill you because you didn't do it. You may miss some blessing here, but it's not God is not forcing Himself upon anybody. It has to come willingly. If it's not even coming willingly from your heart, your giving is nothing. If it's not, it's not coming willingly from your heart, heartily giving to the Lord, then you're giving nothing. It's not a test me, go test God and say, God didn't give me one thousand, I give him one thousand, you have to give me ten thousand and return. 
Those are all lies of the devil to, to trick people to, to give money. But you see, what you are saying is that you, it has to come from your heart. And you have to be honest. You are not dealing with man. You are dealing with God. And if God does not put it in your heart, don't do it. If you, if some, you are just responding to some, some prosperity teachers that are trying to extort money from you, then you are not going to get any blessing. No blessing out of that. Those are people actually that are materializing the, the gospel. So that's not what should be going on in the church, in the body of Christ is going on. They see, these people, Ananias and his wife, they sold this property. They are free to say, Peter, we, we want to just give tithe of this. If they want to give tithe, they will have said, we just want to give tithe of that. I mean, they declare that it's a tithe with 10%, that there shouldn't be, there will be no punishment for that. But they saw everybody receiving glory, that's the point. They saw people receiving glory. Oh, this brother brought all the money that he sold his house, everybody praising. Oh, that brother brought all the money he sold his land, everybody praising. And they want that type of praise also. That palace is what they thought was going on. And if you are looking for that praise, and yet you couldn't do what they did, then it becomes their covering of their line. Also, that is really what we believe was going on here. If you just come and say, we won't get the praise, you just put 10% down. That's all we want to afford. We need money for our own things. Also. There will be no punishment of that. They can say we don't need 10%, just uh, keep it. And then they will keep it and give their 10% to do what they say going to do. But see, they wanted to get that praise and they say, oh, just everything. Just like the other person, give everything. The other people give everything. So they just wanted to get the same praise, give everything. But you can't be lying to God. So that's really what happened in this story. So they kept back part of the price. His wife also been private to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled that he had to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Why, as far as is the key thing, why it remained, was it not thy own? That is, before you sold it, it's yours. And after it was sold, was it not in thy own power? When you sold it, it is still in your hand. You can decide not to give anything. Nobody's twisting your hand and saying, what did you do with that money? Nobody's going to ask you, it's your money, it's your house. If you are going to be giving giving it away, then you honest about it. Don't say I'm giving hundred percent when you actually giving twenty percent or fifty percent of the of the house. So you say it's, it's in your power. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto members unto God. See how the Peter no, the only God says it to him. It's possible that the Holy Spirit has been cautioning this man, telling him to be honest, either to give everything or not to give it. And he was, perhaps he was resisting the, the spirit of God that was in him and went and lied about it because, you see, we have to remember this. The Lord God saved us and gave us a new heart, a new Bible. He did not take our will away from us. You still have your will. If you want to go and rob the bank, your will is there, but the Holy Ghost in you will be testifying against you that you don't do it. Don't do it because the Bible says you shouldn't do that. You can shut down that voice that is speaking to you from your heart and say you are going to do it anyway. And you face the repercussion. No, sir. The repercussion of going to rob the bank, you may face it. Then you can't be crying to God. God save me when that after the police arrest you. No, sir. They say when you are your will, God live for our will. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. God just told them what they should not do. If you do this thing, you die, you do, you die. But their will to do whatever they want to do is still there. 
You have to willingly follow the Lord. We are willingly, we are like volunteers. We willingly follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't take our will away from us. You willingly obey his word. We willingly, you, and then he gave you the power to be able to do it. The power does not suppress your, your, your will. The power is just to encourage, to, to boost you up to be able to do what you want to do. You do the right thing. That power of God is to, he said, give us power to become sons of God. We have to use that power to follow the Lord. And but that does not take our will away. So that's what I'm saying. You still have your free will to choose whether to follow him, to do what the power is able to help you do, or to go and do whatever things your will is. So that's why I say, if you will to go and beat up somebody that has just offended you and knock his teeth off with your fist, if that's your will, you nobody take that will away from you, but your only ghost inside you will be waiting and you don't do that, that's not good. You can suppress that and go do it anyway and then you face the repercussion also. It's repercussion that you everybody face when you go and do what you know is not accepted by the, by, the spirit, by the Spirit of God in you. So that is what is happening in this story also. Everybody's will is left to him, but he gave you a, a, a grace, power, to be able to do the will of the Father that you are reading that you have been told, that we all know the will of the Father is the righteousness and the holiness and the honesty and the truthfulness. He gave you the power to be able to do that. Then left your will there so that you surrender your will to take his own will and follow his will. So that is the gospel. That's what salvation is all about. It's a change heart, a change life. But if you, if the Holy Ghost have been dealing with this Ananias and he suppressed that and went and told lie and gave only part of it and said that is all, then that is what is being judged. That's what Apostle Peter was telling him then. Verse 4 said, Why it remained? Was it not thy own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy own power? So Holy Ghost just revealed to Peter that this is not all, this man is lying. And Peter was telling him, Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. That's what Peter said. Peter didn't say, Fall down dead. No. <laughs> and Ananias, hearing these words, felt that it was now the Holy Ghost that judged the man. After he heard that, he said, that was not lying to me, you have lied unto God. That was what made the man give up the ghost. The Holy Ghost just joined the man. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. So, you see, uh, Peter didn't cause the man. He just told him, you have not lied unto me. The Holy Ghost just revealed to Peter that this is not all. This man lied. And just told him, why are you doing that? You have not lied unto me, you have lied unto God. And the man fell down there because then the Lord judged him directly. And the young men arose, warned him up, and carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7 says, and it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. I mean, it's like a fellowship hall, where they were always meet. And the wife, the woman, also came by. And then Peter actually went to confirm from the woman that maybe this, this thing is just the man did it by, him, by himself, or it was actually correct, because... Holy Ghost said it is it was a lie. And the man was judged. So Peter answered unto her, Tell me, whether you sold the lamb for so much? I mean, this is how much the man brought. Did you get sold the lamb for that much? And she said, Yeah, for so much. Which means they both agreed that that was how they must confess that that is how much they sold. If that man said, No, we sold it for this money, but we only decide to pay 30% of it, then the woman will have been free. When your husband said that was everything, why did she say that? We, we decided that we pay 30% or 50% because we need money for this or that or that. 
the woman will have a scoffery, but she, they agree together. And the woman said, Oh, yeah, that's how much she said it. Yeah, that's how much she said it. Which means she, they also want the glory for that they all, everybody was being praised for bringing everything in. Then Peter was now judging this woman. Verse 9. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tame the spirit of the Lord? As if God did not know. That's why we have to know that we are not dealing with men, we are dealing with God. I remember a story, somebody told me that, oh, he was walking in the church and he normally would sneak in and take some of the donations that they put in the offering of the church money. And he thought God does not know about it or something or the prophet that was, that was in, the, in that church didn't know about it. You may, not, you may be doing that, but you are, you are robbing, robbing yourself of, of a, a blessing. Why can you be stealing from the church post and thinking, well, the church does not know about it, the pastor does not know about it, the prophet does not know about it, and you think you are, you are, you are, you are, you are nothing happened to you. In someone like that that was doing that, you are actually stealing from God, no sir. And you will be in serious trouble with God. If you want heaven and not hell, you better don't do that. The same with pastors that are stealing from the apostles. Uh, from the post of the church, and you think, uh, you are, are you dealing with the, the directors of the church? And what they call the board of directors? And those people you are serving, or you are serving God? Those money you are stealing, are they God's money? Or you think it's the money of the board of directors? Church money? I mean, there are many pastors in this America alone that have been reported that they were stealing from the church money, which means after they have been paid their salary also. Because most of those churches pay salary to their shop pastors. And if they say a pastor stole the, the, the funding for this, the funding for that, and, and run away, or whatever it is, and the pastor, that pastor thought he was robbing the church. You're not robbing the church, you're robbing God. Who saw all these things? Even if you think the church didn't know, but God knew. Some of those people are going to find themselves in hell. There was a, a story of, a, of a, somebody that went to died and rose and went to and not sent him back to come and testify. He said he saw some pastors in hell. That's why confessing that now they, they are want to repent now that uh, they have been stolen from stealing from the church. Now they want to repent. It's too late after they are in hell. They can't come back and repent. You don't want to do that because you are dealing with God, not with man. Stealing from, from God's money is God's money. So be careful. So you cannot lie to God. He said Apostle Peter said you're not lying to me, you're lying to God. And how can you lie to God that seeth your heart, that seeth all things? So that was what Peter was telling this woman. How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Because they are tempting the Spirit of the Lord as if the Spirit of the Lord does not know what they are planning, what they are doing. So behold, the feet of them which shall bury thy husband are the door and shall carry thee out. So he just told the woman that well, they will carry you also out. Pastor said, Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as had this thing. So that's why we don't want to tempt God in all those in things of God. You see, pull the things of God, even people that are paying tithes, if you, you're going to pay your tithe, you are paying the tithe belongs to God. Pay it to God. Take it out of your honey take it out of your out of your possession give it away to whatever god wants to put it away but make sure that you are not keeping it 
with your with your with your own phone because it's almost like you are robbing God. Apostle, uh, that's what uh, the book of uh, was it Malachi was saying or Micah say you have robbed me all of you all the whole nation by not bringing their tithe into the uh, the offering to the temple and to the midst of the say that they have robbed him. So how do we rob you? Say by tithes and offering. So if that is the lost money, whether it is your own tithe or the one that the church has contributed that somebody is stealing. Maybe the usher that was collecting it think he's doing himself uh, he's doing the church uh, harm by stealing so or the pastor himself is going to do that. You are doing something against the Almighty God that said all things. You better repent. That is very serious. You better repent. And that is what I will want to point out in all of these stories. Just the dishonesty of this Ananias affair. God is not striking people down like that anymore. Because of this happened because it's like a, it's an example for the for the whole church to do that God can judge like that too if he wants to. But sometimes God doesn't judge like that anymore to for the pastor that stole money to just only fall down there. But see, with time they don't know what happened. So that's why sometimes we pray and pray and go to a place, say, a brother is sick in hospital. And brethren go there and pray and pray and pray and pray and it looked like the brother still died. We didn't know what he has been doing secretly. That God is judging because God has not revealed it to to anybody. Many times like that, that's what's happening. Uh, another person is sick and afflicted and everybody go there and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. We nagging our head on the wall. Oh God, heal this brother, heal this pastor, heal this minister. And God didn't tell us or nobody knew that that pilot could have been doing some secret sins also, or some offenses that we don't know. That perhaps is being, that's why he was being judged. Because God does not strike people that instantly, people never realize that that could be the cause of some of those things whatever it is that the fellow could have done. So this one that was there in the story of Alliance Africa, it's more like a warning that God could do it instantly, but you see, God does not do it instantly, and people say that because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the heart of the children is bound in them to be doing evil. That's what the book of Proverbs said. But we have to also be careful that we, that are believers, we honest before God. Open your heart and say, Lord, take things that is costing away from your, from your household. If it's your pride, give it out, get it out of your something, let it be used for the work of the Lord and give it to God. And then the Lord is found, you are not going to be under any, any, any punishment or cause. You are wash, wash everything that you are doing, that you are doing it honestly before God, and the Lord will be blessing you. Very important. Now let's continue to verse uh, 12 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, is what we are reading. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That's where they got like Solomon's porch. And of the rest, does no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, in so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets. Now, this verse 15 told us, okay, wow, the signs and wonders were also showing in Jerusalem. Saying so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and then which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed everywhere. Now, that last two verses was telling us the revival that, was, that followed the apostles, signs and wonders that were following. The city of Jesus has suddenly become a city of uh, hospitals. And the hospital is right in the streets. And you know, the rulers won't like that. And that was really what followed. 
Almost people are everywhere running to Jerusalem and say, well, let's just get him to the streets in Jerusalem. These opposing disciples are going to pass by and miracles are happening. And they say, Peter, we just well, I don't need to be stopping and laying hands on people. They, they them. The shadow of Peter alone is just healing them. As the shadow passes, just healed because Jesus Christ is the one that is casting that shadow upon those people. And these people are just getting healed. And it becomes like a crowd are coming to Jerusalem for that. And you can tell how the rulers will be will be of offended because they want their city to be. When you say the sick, the sick are not always well dressed. They are not the well elegant with ties and suits and so on. There will be people that are dripsy and they are like this and they are weak and lean. Those are the people that are sick. See? But see these elegantly dressed priests and rabbis that are passing this, you don't want to see those type of people in the streets. It's almost like the homeless in uh, America. When you say they say they don't want the homeless here, why? Because the homeless are always dirty and also the homeless are always carrying pushing cars with all these rags look like something so everybody said we don't want the homeless in our neighborhood we don't want the homeless in our streets it's almost like that same type of thing when people when the revival broke up in the in Jerusalem the sick were coming to Jerusalem to be healed but the sick are not the well-dressed people in the neighborhood they are the sickly people that are that nobody wants to be those who are illegally just don't want the sick in the streets like that, where they are saying their neighborhoods are full of sick people waiting for some, somebody to come and uh, pass by. So that is the type of thing. That we also want to revive, but are we ready to, to bear this type of uh, untidiness? Let's call it untidiness, because who are the people that are flocking Jesus Christ to touch him? The untidy sick, those that are afflicted, they wanted to touch him. They were flocking Jesus Christ to touch him. He didn't run away from them, he let them touch him. But they were being healed. So the same way he said, Leper wanted to touch you, we, we, what you do, we, we, we will let him touch you. But when the Lord mighty God will begin to show the sons and wonders, the leper that needed help, we want to touch the, the garment of the miracle worker. But if you are so afraid that you, know, you, you are still thinking the way the world is thinking, you don't want the leper to touch you, you don't want this sick afflicted person to touch you, you want the man that has a cripple want to come closer to you, oh no, no, you are not there, you are not going to be able to welcome them and deliver them. See, that was what was happening in this generation because the priests were going to rise up against this. And you see that in the next few verses. When they saw the sick being brought to, to the streets of Jerusalem, and the unclean spirits were the people that are possessed of being dragged to the streets, waiting for Peter to pass by. The high priests were not going to be well placed. And look at that in verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. I know that's going to happen. We have been talking about revivals coming in this our generation. You think the government is going to encourage it? No, the government is not going to encourage it. Just think if revival breaks up and everybody, every believer can just go to your hospital and just send people to go home, go home, go, you are here. And people are here and say, I'm home, I'm home, I need to be discharged. And the doctors are no more getting enough money. The hospitals are no more getting enough income. Because these miracle workers are discharging these people and they are really healed. The hospitals are going to begin to lose money also. The medical doctors are going to be losing money also. All those practitioners are going to be losing money. Now they will rise up against these miracle workers and say, don't let them come to our hospital. Don't you think that we are actually in America capitalism? So are you ready for this? That's what we are praying. We are praying for revival. And the Lord said he's going to send for a mighty revival like that where he's going to pour his spirit upon our flesh. And every believer will be able to do those signs and wonders. And we all want to do it. But be ready for persecution, is what I'm pointing out. 
be ready for persecution. Because after you begin to raise the dead, make the limb walk, you get to the hospital and this hospital is full of sick people and you just pass by and touch, 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 and they are being healed and they are saying the doctor, I'm released, I want to go home. I'm, who wants to be in the hospital? You will be so then you begin to realize that the doctors and the medical hospitals are not interested in for these people to just go home and be healed and not pay three days of hospitality. And they have to begin to lay off employees also. If the nurses have nothing to do, the, the people are getting healed. So then they have to lay off nurses also. And doctors are not having enough money. They are not getting enough income. Then you know that persecution will rise up against these plague workers. They will say, don't, don't let them come to our hospitals anymore. So that is coming to happen, folks. And be ready for this. Be ready for this. Especially in the Western world where all these things have been commercialized. So that was what was happening in Jerusalem also around this time. Then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. I'm reading chapter 5 of Acts of the Apostles, verse 17. And these high priests, they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. They just lay, get hold of all these 12 apostles and uh, put them in the common prison. Verse 7, 19 said, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. And brought them forth and said, Go, not run away, no, go, stand and preach, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the walls of this life. So the Lord said, Well, let's 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 uh, let's uh, fight fire with fire right here. All these people are this high priest and all those rulers decided to arrest the apostles, arrest all of them and bring them into put them in prison. And overnight the angel of God said, All of you get out and keep on preaching. It's like we fight fire with fire here. <laughs> Do I want to confront these, uh, these Sadducees and these uh, high priests and rulers? And let's see how it goes. The angel didn't say go and hide and run. So there's a time for everything. You know, there was a time when the when uh, later in the next chapters we see Herod arrested after he killed James. He arrested Peter and was going to kill Peter and was just waiting for the right time. He put Peter in the prison saying uh, after Easter is going to bring him so that he can the whole crowd can, can condemn him. But then the angel of the Lord opened the gate for Peter and brought Peter out of the prison. He didn't tell him to, to do anything, he just took him out of the prison. Peter put two plus two together and said, Wow, God must have delivered me from the hand of Herod. And Peter went and hid himself to see what will happen. The second day Herod saw that they couldn't find Peter. He told all those soldiers that were expected to be guarding him to be killed. So they kill all those soldiers, perhaps. But see, that was a time then God didn't say, go back to the temple and preach. Herod can't do anything, no. God knew, God just let the Peter decide on that. Peter knew that God has, God has delivered me from Herod. And Peter went and hid himself to see what will happen. And exactly what happened was the Herod couldn't find him. He arrested all those soldiers. That's why he said to be watching him. But this time, all the twelve apostles were in the prison together by the by the chief priest and so on. And the angel said, "The Lord led them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people, all the words of this life. Tell them about this life of Christ that we are preaching. Verse 21, and when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. So they are not afraid because the angel said, go inside there and go keep on teaching. They are not afraid. And then... The high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel. They have their own hall where they meet, not in the temple. 
and sent to the prison to have them brought. He said, go to the prison and bring them. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shot with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. And nobody in the prison. No, no, we can't find any of them in the prison. Verse 24 says, Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them. Where until this will grow? So we see what's going on here. We put them in the prison yesterday night here. Yeah? And the soldiers were surrounding the gates and nobody let them out. We don't know. Did anybody let them out? The soldiers said, we don't know. We, you are just standing here waiting for the morning. And the morning came. They opened the door and nobody was in the prison. How did they get out? Are you sure we put anybody here? Yeah, we put them there. We saw them there. Did they eat overnight? Yeah, maybe we fed them. So they will have been saying, we said that, they said, we don't know. Where are we? This thing is going out of hands. That's 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Oh, behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. What? They are in the temple? Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence. For they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. So they were, You guys follow us because we don't know how you guys get out of the prison. Let's just take you to the council. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, Sin. Did not we straightway command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now look at that verse 28. What does that man mean? You, are, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. I mean, you are trying to say, you apostles are trying to bring the blood of Jesus Christ upon us as if we are the one that killed him. Well, I thought they were, they, and they, they, they are now trying to deny we didn't kill him. It was per error. Or Pontius Pilate. No, they delivered him to Pontius Pilate. So they were the one that killed him. That's what the verdict is. Pontius Pilate wanted to release him. They said, no, crucify him for us. Now they are now trying to say, you are trying to bring this man's blood upon us. As if they are not the one that did it. See how sometimes people can deny what they did. That was what this priest, high priest of Nazareth said. You are trying to bring this man's blood upon us. Whereas when on that day, even the whole crowd was saying, his blood be upon us and upon our children. I mean, they are, they are claiming it. The whole crowd of the Jews that were in front of Pontius Pilate. When he watched his son, according to the gospel, say, he watched his son and say, I'm free of this blood of this man. He said, yes, his blood be upon us, upon our children also. So they are, they are the, the, whole, the whole nation of the Jews accepted the responsibility that they were the ones that crucified him. And they say his blood be upon them. Which means they are guilty of his blood of the man if the, if the man is not guilty. We know he was not guilty and they just put the guilt upon their whole and their, and their children. Which means that's why the whole seed was scattered from the nation for thousands of years. Except those that are believers in Christ that are escaping the wrath and coming to Christ. They are free from that uh, condemnation or judgment. But the rest of the Jews that didn't believe, they already put the blood upon their own self that they are guilty of that blood. Down the uh, the priest now, the chief priest now say, well, you are trying to put the blood of this man upon us. How <laughs> oh, now they try to deny that they did it. Or it, it was, that's what he said, verse 28. Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled yourself with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. I said, what? You already said his blood be upon you. I mean, all of them said it. Verse 29. 
Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew. He didn't say whom Pilate slew. No, ye slew him. And hanged on a tree. Him as God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now he said to Israel, we know it's not just to Israel, to the whole world, anyone that we believe. But Israel first, because that's where he came from. See, he came unto his soul, his soul received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave him power to become sons of God. That's the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 32 said, Acts of the Apostles chapter 5, verse 32. And we are his witnesses, Apostle Peter kept talking. Say, we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them that obey him. And when he mentioned Holy Ghost, now this police uh, rulers are now caught. To, they have a ghost with them. That is the Holy Ghost. A ghost. They think, well, that may be something that they need to deal with. It's not just, we are not dealing with these apostles or these men. They have a ghost with them. <laughs> That's how they call it. But they say, Holy Spirit of God, which they thought is with the apostles, with the prophets. And they are now saying, they call it, it's a ghost, a ghost. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> now, that was Apostle Peter's uh, presentation to them. Now, we are going to see how a, 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 a Pharisee called Gamaliel stood up and tried to warn these priests to leave these people alone. Because if God is the one doing this thing, you can't overthrow it. This is how he presented it. Verse 33. And when they heard that, when they heard about the Holy Ghost with them, they were caught to the heart and took counsel to slay them. And you see how women may sometimes think. They thought if we kill these people, then the Holy Ghost, and they said they have a spirit that is with them, we run away. <laughs> That's what it thought. Because people assume that if they see some people that are doing it, they will let's arrest all of them and kill them. And if you kill them, then they think that spirit will just run away. And they overcome that spirit. And that's what they thought. They say, if it is God, you don't drive, 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 drive God away. If it is a satanic spirit, of course, you might drive that satanic spirit away, of course. And that's what they thought. They, they have a ghost. We better slay these people. Verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Now, Gamaliel was the one apostle Paul, when he became converted, said he was actually raised or taught by this Gamaliel, a Pharisee. He said they have schools, you know. Gamaliel was perhaps a, a professor in the school, he owned that school perhaps, and there are people that come to become rabbis through his school. So that's why apostle Paul said he was raised by this Gamaliel. Someone like say, I was under this uh, evangelist and so ministry school of Susan School, or Clinic Bible School. That's really what they also have in that generation. Kamala was a teacher and they say, Doctor of the Law means he was well reputed, he must have had a school. That Apostle Paul said he was trained under Gamaliel. So he stood up because he saw that these people are going, and uh, these priests and so on are trying to go in the direction that is dangerous. Say, well, let's 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 put let's talk here. Say, let's say uh, the apostles say, wait aside for a while. Let me talk to you guys. Verse 35. And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take it to yourselves. Take it to yourselves 
what ye intend to do as touching this man. So Gamaliel was going to give them counsel, a wise counsel too. But 36, he was going to tell them history. He said, for before these days rose up Judas, there's a, a man called Judas, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain. Slain by who? By the Romans, Roman Empire, Roman governor. Those are, those are political messiahs that rose up before Jesus Christ. They claimed to want to deliver Israel from the Romans. So that's what he was giving them, uh, telling them stories of people that have rose, risen up before. See, this man called Judas, he boasted himself to be somebody. A number of men joined themselves to him, about 400 people. And he was slain between the soldiers of uh, Rome got hold of him and they killed this man and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught you, see, you remember that story that that man was brought to naught all this uh, political messiah thing he wanted to do didn't succeed but after seven and after this man after that was rose another man called judas of galilee in the days of the taxing so this this man must be an old man he has either read the story history or he was alive all this time and he knew that this thing has happened many times before, and we didn't even handle it. It was the Roman Empire that handled it. The Roman governor handled it. Maybe they were supporting those people because when the political messiah, messiah rise up, the rulers think, yeah, maybe it will succeed. Secretly supporting them, secretly supporting them. But when the governors of Rome rose up and arrest these people and kill them, they behave as if they are not part of it. Most of the time, that's what they do. They behave as if they are not part of this uh, political messiah. And then these people are scattered. But now, when the out of Jesus Christ came, they wanted to be the one to stop him, not the governor. Because they were seeing uh, some jealousy, because this one is different. It's not political messiah. It's a spiritual thing. It's performing signs and wonders, calling himself son of God, son of their God. Now, they wanted to stop that themselves. And that was what Gamaliel was trying to warn them about. And he said, after this, Judas was Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. So he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. By who? By the governors of Rome that were ruling over Judea. So all of those who have come, all those rabbis that wanted to make a king, or wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire, through the sending them out of Judea, so they all perished, and the people that followed them scattered. Pastor here is his warning and his, his, his counsel. Say now I say unto you, refrain from this man and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. I mean, if this man of Galilee just did something and uh, they, we, if he's dead now, they have crucified him. They say these people say he's risen from the dead. They don't believe it. But see, if this thing by man made, say it will all fade away with time. Just leave them alone. That's what he was saying. If it's man-made, these people are making it up, it will fade away. He said, but if it is of God, verse 13, but if it be of God, because they said they have a Holy Ghost with them, which Kamalai was not sure. All these priests didn't believe it. But these people said they have the Holy Ghost with them. And we are seeing miracles, and one of them. Kamalai has not studied this thing. He said, hmm, let's leave these people alone. Because if God is doing this thing, we will be fighting against God. So that's what he's warning about to this chief priest. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Lest after ye be found even to fight against God. So we claim to be servants of God here. We claim to be priests for God here. But what we are seeing in the streets that these people are doing, 
If it is man-made, it will fade away just like all these other political things. But if it is God that is doing it, even though it didn't come through us, you cannot overthrow it. And if you are fighting it, you will be fighting God himself. That's what he was warning them about. So you will be fighting against God. Verse 40 says, and to him they agreed. Hmm, he said, okay. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they still said, oh, we have to beat them. Let them know that we are not only present for putting what they are doing. So this after they are beating them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they wanted to agree with Gamaliel, but they didn't want them to just be free as if we agree with what they are doing. So they said, well, we flog them and then let them go. So they flogged them and let them go. And they, Pastor 41 said, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. It's like a shame when they bring grown-up men, some of them have wives, and flog them for preaching. And they say, oh, don't preach anymore. And they let them go. So it's like a, maybe turn you like a little baby that you have, that people are flogging. I say, lie down, they flog them as if they have, they have stolen your cookie. <laughs> so that's why I say this. They rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And that is what we must be able to rejoice that we suffer, anything we suffer for Christ can be shame. Maybe you are preaching somebody slap you like if you are a baby and you didn't even raise up your hand and knock you down as if you can't fight. That's like a shame. People look, why don't you fight him back? I can't fight him back. Christ in me, say I should love him. I say, you are being foolish. You should beat him back. You know? Then you are suffering shame for Jesus. That is an example of what, what these people did. I remember preaching in a place like that. I was actually, me and a brother, we were talking to my cousin. My, that woman was my cousin. I gave her life to Christ, but she was married to this man that didn't believe. And she was the third wife of this man. That, that man was old enough to be my daddy when I was still in college. Because that man's firstborn and me were close friends. I became a believer, started preaching about, and me and his firstborn were in college together. And I came on vacation and I witnessed to my cousin, who was his wife, who was her children. And that woman gave her life to Christ. And many times I come to town, tried to teach this woman more. And I was teaching this woman, me and the Christian brother, we came and we were just visiting, told her more about what the Bible said. And her husband came inside. Furious that I was teaching his wife in the Bible, and they, they were Muslims. Muslim by name, most of them are not really, are not really fanatical Muslims. Muslims that still trust in voodoo and other things. And they don't, I don't think they have time to go to a mosque. But you see, he didn't like the way I was teaching his wife and his. One of his other sons also has believed Christ. That was part of us teaching this thing. And I thought, oh, this is a, 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 a daddy. So I said, hello, sir. The man slapped me. When he came inside the room and saw three of us with the woman with the Bible, he stood. And I thought, oh, trying to pray. So say, oh, good morning, sir. That I tried to say to him. He just raised his hand and just slapped my head and turned into a fight. So I told you, I told you not to come to my house to teach my wife or any of my children anymore. And it's why I wanted to turn into a fight between ourselves and our husband. I said, no, no, no. Don't turn into a fight between your husband and yourself. We will leave. And it turned into a crowd. The whole crowd was here. Everybody was saying, get out of my house. Get out of my house. Even his son that was a believer was trying to challenge his, his daddy. And I said, no, you don't turn into a fight. He, he, don't, he didn't want us to come to your house. You keep doing it with your, with your, with your 
stepmother talking to her. And they were trying to turn into a fight in the house. So no, 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 no. We will just leave. He's already slapped my face. That's suffering shame for his name. You may go to preach somewhere. Uh, I've seen some people preaching in the streets right now. Young people preaching in the streets or in the colleges. And the crowd wanted to beat you up. And you may be like, you can beat them back. What? No. Suffer is shame for the name of Jesus Christ. And you have a reward. That's what he does say. And that's what the apostles also they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So we should rejoice. I rejoice that I was counted worthy to suffer shame for Christ's name. Verse 42 is the last verse of this chapter. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, let me just com complete that by testimony. Yes, we left that place, but the man repented later. Let me not forget to tell that. He repented later because all, some of his other wives, it's why the, the mother of my best friend that we were in college together was was telling their husband also that you shouldn't be doing this to this to this uh, to this my, my my son's friend how he has been helping my son in college how they are friends together all the time they were in high school this is not the, this is not the type of person you believe in this to that you turn into a fight between you and this little young man that is uh, that is helping us in this house so they turn to but the man finally repented and said oh I'm sorry Please come inside. I said, oh, no, no. I said, oh, come inside, please. You are now allow, you now allow me to come inside if I want to. Many days later. Many days later, before he asked for forgiveness. But, but that day was like a counter word to suffer shame for his, for his name because I thought I was being respectful. I said, oh, good morning, sir. Start slapping me. So when I remember that, maybe it will be emotional. I said, Lord, thank you for our Cutting us worry to suffer shame for your name. That's what the apostles, that's what the apostles was feeling also. When they called them inside and flog all of them like uh, little boys. Don't preach anymore to in the name of Jesus. They said they counted it word decidedly. Rejoice that God, God has counted it worthy to suffer shame for his name. And we are all to rejoice that we suffer for him so that we can reign with him, whatever suffering. That's a little suffering. Somebody slap you. These people were nailed to the tree. Some of them were crucified. Some of them were killed. They suffered. Even in our generation, we've seen people beheaded in uh, Iraq for saying they, were, they stand for Jesus. Also. And they say, take Islam or be killed. And they stood for Jesus. They were beheaded. We saw it on the, on, on, on the, in the news. They, they suffered shame for Christ. And there's a great reward waiting for them in the new kingdom that is coming. So stand firm, brethren. The new kingdom is coming where the saints of God will reign forever and ever. And those who are persecuted Christians, you better repent if you are one of them hearing this. You better repent and come and be a child of God also. So that you may have a hope of that kingdom that is coming. God bless you. I'm going to continue this in chapter 6.